We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. Support for this podcast comes from U.S. Bank. When it's time for a new credit card, the best ones do way more than just buy stuff. And that's why U.S. Bank offers credit cards that make every day more rewarding. Earn cash back. Score points when you shop, dine out, travel, or binge watch. Or get a low intro APR. U.S. Bank credit cards were designed to fit your lifestyle. So make every day more rewarding. And check out usbank.com slash credit card. U.S. Bank credit cards are issued by U.S. Bank National Association N.D. Some restrictions may apply. Member FDIC. They're going to kill the love of my life. Daisy! If I don't go back to what I was doing. This Friday... Our line of work is quite brutal and quite ruthless. How far would you go for love? You steal truck, bring it to me. Then you make your money. Is it dangerous? Of course it's dangerous! Nicholas Holt, Felicity Jones, with Ben Kingsley and Anthony Hopkins. All this trouble, all this pain, for love. Collide, in theaters Friday. Rated PG-13, may be inappropriate for children under 13. Geico presents sharing versus oversharing. Today, Bridget Griffin shared a video of her daily yoga routine, two self-help articles, and her new blog called Build Your Inner Bridge with Bridge. Girl, your sharing has turned into oversharing. No worries, Bridge. Geico has some info worth sharing with your seven blog followers, like how you could save money on your car insurance, update your policy, and report a claim just by visiting geico.com. How's that for building your inner bridge? Bridge, Geico. 15 minutes could save you 15% or more on car insurance.
Welcome to the RotoWire Fantasy Football Podcast brought to you by DraftKings.com, the leader in daily fantasy sports. Use the promo code RotoWire when you make your deposit for a free contest entry today. Derek Van Riper here with Mario Puig at NFL Draft underscore RW on Twitter. I'm at Derek Van Riper. The pack is back, Mario. Here's what happened, though. Before we, before we even get into that, we recorded the first half of this podcast, and it was about 30 minutes long. And we realized that the USB soundboard was on and, and the lights were, were flickering as they do when you talk into the microphone. However, somebody at some point borrowed our laptop from the media room and didn't plug the USB cord back in. So we recorded nothing for 30 minutes. Thus, we're going to have a slightly shorter pod today because we have other stuff that we have to do, unfortunately. It's for the best. No one wants to hear that stuff. Truthfully, everybody would prefer a 25-minute pod. Anyway, um, Packers winning one of the most ridiculous finishes I've ever seen, at least most ridiculous since the Monday night game in which, of course, the Ravens blocked a Browns field goal and ran it back as time expired. Um, This game was a disaster throughout. I mean, there was a point in this game, Mario, where I wanted the Packers to lose and then continue losing to clean house so Mike McCarthy would be gone. Instead, they're 8-4. and four. Optimism is back. The offense looks like crap still. And yet, I can't help but think that maybe they'll still somehow figure it out. Maybe. they got to get rid of Don Barclay, though, because he's just... They, they might as well try a four offensive lineman formation rather than have that guy out there um but yeah anyway they, they gotta they gotta get somebody who can stretch the field they gotta block better and unless that changes they're gonna still need to make like hail mary slash lateral plays to win against mediocre opponents i am with you there and a lot of weird things happened here one calvin johnson was not on the field for the final play Two, the play before the final play involved multiple laterals, including one thrown back to Aaron Rodgers, and he was, of course, face-masked, even though he was barely face-masked. It would have been like a five-yard face-mask under the old rules, but there was only one face-masking penalty, and by God, they decided to throw it. Yeah, it took like a really hideously conceived lateral play to get the penalty they needed to throw the Hail Mary, so it's just a lot of merit in the outcome, obviously. Rodgers did have a touchdown run late in this one. All sorts of good stuff going on in the bullpen. 27 yards, a team high on the ground, mostly because Eddie Lacy had five carries for four yards. Eddie Lacy, five carries, four yards, and no one wants to explain exactly what happened other than to say he had a bad week in practice. Yeah, it's uh, we, we mentioned in the first recording, uh, it might have been the Nate Newton Snickers bar thing, like, you know, or maybe a hoagie just fell out of his pants in practice. And McCarthy was like, that's it. You're not playing. You didn't bring me a hoagie like, yeah, <laughs> You're on the bench. You're benched for not sharing. And uh, yeah, it not you can have them in your pants in the future. Just bring enough for everybody. The uh, the other other fine joke of the first pod was that uh, Mike McCarthy as uh, what did you refer to him as as a, a, a button uh, button? Masher. A button masher. Yes. He, For those of you who don't play console video games or are otherwise not a ten-year-old like me, uh, you can use a controller and like win some games by just pressing all the buttons because you don't know anything. You have no better clue of what to do. And sometimes it seems that way uh, with NFL head coaches and their clock management and their play calling. Uh, Jim Caldwell and Mike McCarthy both seem like button mashers to me. Yeah, and Mike McCarthy is the human incarnation of Blanca, the Street Fighter character, where when you button mash, he electrocutes the opposing fighter. I think that's mostly uh, the best way I can describe Mike McCarthy. Uh, So aside from Eddie Lacy just being horrible, Richard Rodgers has this huge game that led some people to say, he's a tight end one now, and I just scratched my head and said, no, no, he's not. But a nice game for Richard Rodgers, who was on the receiving end of the 61-yard Hail Mary pass from Aaron Rodgers that won this game only the Lions 
Browns and Bills can lose games the way the Lions lost this game on Thursday night. Uh, the receiving core, though, was quiet. I mean, Randall Cobb, 4 for 29. Devonta Adams, 4 for 21. And a TD on seven targets. On the TD, he can run a nice little route. Um, got a got covered by a linebacker. Covering Devonta Adams with a linebacker seems pretty stupid. But they did it. He and still it wasn't work. even open. It was just a good throw. It was a really good throw, and he just managed to come down with it. Which right. I, mean, I, I think you hope that he just starts becoming more confident because he's dropped everything it feels like uh this season uh, jared aberderis uh i thought it was a sneaky pickup by me in the stake league not so much one catch 16 yards on three targets but hey he's on the radar mario he's on the radar yeah and i guess they can trust him to line up where he's supposed to and run the right route unlike i guess jeff janice uh but yeah it's it's he doesn't seem like a savior on the other hand either so i, I think the packers are going to be pretty ugly after this game even though they got the, the hope is back now it seems like it unless they can find a way to stretch the field but they have shown no signs of having a, a plan to do that john crockett by the way who was on the practice squad earlier in the week five carries 22 yards so he had the same number of carries as eddie lacy who many of you invested a first round pick in for your season overall pick leagues. perhaps yeah you might have even used your one one pick on uh, on eddie lacy so that's uh that's the, packers, fun. the packers score so many points he's gonna score a lot of touchdowns he's he's perfect he's a, a flawless player on the Lions side of this one for me the highlight was the gif at the end of the game as uh, they took a shot at the Lions sideline you see matthew stafford taking off his cap throwing it to the ground nice nice gif but then in the foreground of that shot kelvin johnson the Megatron taking an elevator ride, just dropping right out of the frame because he's, his legs just stopped working. He just couldn't handle living at that moment and just completely wiped himself off the face of the earth. It was amazing, too, because when I watched the GIF on a loop, all I see and hear is Pac-Man dying. I hear the... Yeah, I think we understand why he feels that way. It's just I, you would have thought he would have felt that way many more times, like sooner than this, just having played on Detroit his whole career. Um, yeah, looks like it's it's another bummer year for him. Looks like I'm going to be eating a donut, too, when I get out of this room because there were donuts from this morning. That were still I left had two of those. So unless you like those nasty cream filled ones, I, you're not having a donut. No, I want the maple covered one. Did you eat that one? Uh I I can't remember. Maybe I didn't. I didn't look at them when I ate them. I just I just shoved them in and just chewed them up and came here to record this pod that we started recording thirty minutes ago and we have eight minutes of content for so far. Kelvin Johnson did score in this game three forty four, uh, eight targets. Golden Tate eight catches ten targets sixty three yards. Not a bad performance for the Lions offense. They just ended up in a spot where they stopped moving the ball throughout the second half. Amir Abdullah actually ran pretty well. 13 carries, 67 yards, did not cough up any fumbles. Joyke Bell with a nice lacy impression, 8 carries, 5 yards. Just give Amir Abdullah 18 to 20 carries. Just get, get away from Joyke Bell. You're a 4-8 and eight team. Figure out how good Amir Abdullah really is and get on with it. Got to see what Joyke can do. Mm-hmm. Horrible. Just horrible that that happens. Uh, but, man, what a wild game, to uh, to say the least, and, and one that Lions fans, I'm sure, will remember for a very long time, and I'm sure they'll debate the merits of the, of the face mask flag that led to the free play 
that led to Aaron Rodgers throwing that Hail Mary. Let's move on to some injuries here as we move into week 13 of the NFL season. Uh, Let's kind of start from the bottom, if you will, and take a look here. Alan Hearns, this was kind of suspected all along this week. He's officially ruled out for that game against the Titans due to a concussion after being carted off the field in week 12. Not a big surprise there. Uh, Marquise Lee, Brian Walters, Rashad Green all in the mix. I don't know if any one of those guys really stands out to me, but they all could see a slight bump in targets. I think it's good for the value of Julius Thomas because Alan Hearns has been getting a good number of targets in the red zone. So if nothing else, it's just one fewer guy for Julius Thomas to compete with. Yeah, he had a big game last week and he might be able to do a decent impression of his uh, his production from Denver even because uh, he's definitely big and fast. Like he's, he's athletic, so there's no good reason for him to just you know disappear just because he's not getting passes from uh, Peyton Manning anymore. Dez has the foot injury but he's probable the only thing I'm worried about on the stretch is that if they lose their 0.01% chance of making the playoffs that they have going this week goes to a complete zero going into next week. Maybe if he has a setback, Jerry Jones says, Hey, look, Des probably shouldn't play because he's an important part of our future. We don't want him to make his foot worse, but to this point, they have not made any sort of plan to shut him down early. Yeah, uh, you you have to think that might happen eventually because they're definitely not going to win more than like another game, perhaps. So uh, that that mathematical uh, f- you know finality will eventually come up soon. Plenty of interest, of course, in the health of Rob Gronkowski. He's officially out. Of course, he released the joint statement with the Patriots earlier in the week saying he's week to week. Uh, So we'll see if he's able to do anything in practice leading into week 14. Scott Chandler going to step in uh, and play tight end. I think Brandon LaFell picks up a few extra targets and maybe Danny Amendola does too. He's officially questionable. Probably a true game time decision, though, as you look ahead to that matchup against Philadelphia. Plenty of injuries on the Philadelphia side of this one, too. Sam Bradford probable after uh, missing some time. So he practiced three days in a row this week. It looks like He's good to go. Ryan Matthews out for the third straight game with a concussion. Zach Ertz probable after missing last week's game with a concussion of his own. Yeah, uh, I guess I don't really have any big thoughts on that. Obviously, with Gronk out, Scott Chandler's kind of interesting. Um, But yeah, whatever. Chandler and Vance McDonald, I think, were the the big gets in free agency. Vance McDonald, I would just really quickly would not really buy into in the long term. He's got stone hands, but uh, he is big and fast. So as long as he can hold on to the ball, like rock it's, monster it's like, hands, it's like, he's, it's like he's playing with mittens on or something. It just, he, I don't know. He catches a lot of them, just not as many, he, just well below the average of any NFL tight end. Hmm, interesting. Tyler Eifert, speaking of tight ends, listed as doubtful with a neck injury, so it's probably going to be Ryan Hewitt and Tyler Croft getting targets at tight end this week, although I could see Mohamed Sanu and maybe Marvin Jones, some of the the depth options in Cincinnati picking up more value than just having the tight end slot right into Eifert's place. Yeah, uh, I think you're going to see the the two young guys, Hewitt and Croft, probably split a lot anyway. So uh, Marvin Jones, like you mentioned, is probably a, a, a decent bet to see whatever Eifert might have seen otherwise. Although in the red zone, like that, that's definitely good for AJ Green too, because like Eifert being the red zone monster he is, it's got to go to AJ Green now probably. I like that. I like giving AJ Green a little nudge, maybe putting him in a few more lineups as a result of Tyler Eifert's absence this week or expected absence this week. Devonta Freeman uh, is listed as probable for Sunday's game in Tampa, so he should be fine. Maybe gives a few more carries to Tevin Coleman than he typically would. Bucks haven't been that bad uh, against the run, but still I think Freeman is considered a top tier 
back again this week. Yeah, I, I like Freeman a lot. And Gerald McCoy is actually doubtful, I think. I, I saw that. Uh, so if he's out, that hurts a lot of what makes the Tampa Bay run defense any good. Definitely a good pull there. On the other side, Vincent Jackson probable a knee injury, so he's probably going to be just fine. Uh, Jay Cutler on the injury report Friday due to an illness, but he's probable to play against the 49ers, so probably nothing to worry about there. Uh, Heath Miller is questionable for the Steelers. Got a rib injury at this point, though, if you're leaning on Heath Miller, you've got bigger problems to deal with. Probably want to look for an upgrade because that's a Sunday night game this week, and you're not going to have much for alternatives available if he is, in fact, scratched. But both Ben Roethlisberger and Martavis Bryant are listed as probable to play against the Colts. Roethlisberger, of course, had the concussion earlier in the week, although he tried to say it was an ocular migraine, I think, at one point, and Mike Tomlin said, no, it was a concussion. Uh, Bryant had a hip injury. He seems to be just fine. Got a day off on Wednesday, but I like his price on DraftKings quite a bit. He's a guy I'm probably going to have some shares of going into uh, week 13. Arizona's receiving core, a little bit banged up. Fitz and John Brown are probable. Fitz has an ankle injury. John Brown with the hamstring. Michael Floyd is questionable with his hamstring injury. Cardinals playing the Rams this week. Uh, Andre Ellington will not play, so there's going to be a lot of interest in David Johnson, of course. Uh, Ellington's got, I believe, a case of turf toe. He's expected to see a specialist in Los Angeles, so I'm not really optimistic about him even with Chris Johnson hurt. It seems like it really could be the David Johnson show that we've been waiting for. Yeah, I expect that. And turf toe is, is a very problematic injury that can stick around for, you know, around a month or so, uh, stick around for longer than that. It can keep you out for about a month. Um, and Ellington obviously has a way of picking up nagging injuries. So it doesn't look good for him. Here's an update on Eddie Lacey. He actually missed curfew Wednesday night in Detroit. But if you miss curfew and you're going to punish him, don't play him for the first half or don't play him at all. Like have a, have a clear punishment, not some arbitrary, well, he wasn't running that well, so we decided to punish him because he missed curfew last night. Like if, if Eddie Lacy rips off a 70-yard touchdown run on his first carry of the game, do you think they punish him at all? Do you think we're even having this conversation? No, no. Yeah, you're right. I that, That's that's just weird, though, because like... I, Anyway, that seems like there's there's more reporting to be done on that one. Where in Detroit are you going to miss your curfew? And I'm not trying to to bash Detroit, but it's it's a Wednesday night on the road in Detroit. Whatever your curfew is for your job in the NFL, I just don't understand how you're out past that. Like, just what what could possibly be so interesting on a Wednesday that you'd want to go out and and be late for work essentially by not getting in on time i i I don't know that is that is baffling though i and it it obviously undermines my you know the snicker bar and the pants someone's gonna someone's gonna tweet at us and be like burgers there's great (laughs) burgers all over detroit there's a map of detroit where all the great burgers are located yeah maybe maybe he was just yeah uh like hopping all the grills grill hopping or something who knows man Grill hopping into the late night (laughs) yeah All, all of the places that are open between midnight and 2 a.m. that serve food, Eddie Lacy was just trying to hit them all up. He just had Yelp open on his phone and was bouncing around from food place tourist. to place. Yeah, just, just enjoying some, some time in a new city. Uh, Willie Sneed, doubtful for Sunday's game against the Panthers. Kind of interesting injury only because they get the matchup against the Panthers. Josh Norman usually matches up on the outside against receivers. The Saints could line up Brandon Cooks out in the slot and possibly uh, have the Cooks-Norman matchup kind of be avoided in some instances. I don't know what the Saints are going to do in this one. It seems like a, a decent spot for them as a kind of a, like a, I don't know, a low ownership or a, a team that people are just are staying away from right now. Mark Ingram especially, because the Saints keep it close. Mark Ingram's a big part of the reason of how they do that. 
Yeah, I, I I'm not gonna go after that offense at all. Like I have I have Ingram in a season log league, and I'm gonna play him. But I just I I'm just creeped out by the way their usage is just so unpredictable in that offense, and it feels like they might as it feels like the Panthers might as well put Norman on Cooks because like who else is gonna be running routes there exactly? I wish I knew more about playing corner to understand why defending a receiver in the slot is so much harder than defending a receiver on the outside. I know the sidelines a factor; it's an extra defender, right? Exactly, essentially. But if you're really good at your job you should be able to cover a guy anywhere right i mean it, it also probably sucks a little more because it's like uh you have to you have to make sure you don't get picked by your linebackers and stuff and that that might suck if you if you're not very good at that that could be a problem i could see linebackers setting a lot of unintentional picks on their own guys if you don't know where they're going to be so that's probably a factor Fantasy football just got a whole lot more interesting. Week 13, DraftKings will be hosting yet another Millionaire Maker event with $1 million going to first place and a total of $4 million up for grabs. Go to DraftKings.com now. Enter the promo code ROTOWIRE to play for free with your first deposit on DraftKings. That's promo code ROTOWIRE for free entry now with your first deposit at DraftKings.com. This isn't fantasy as usual. This is DraftKings. Welcome to the big time. Let's move on to the millionaire makers. Go position by position as we do every week. You could pay up for Tom Brady at eight thousand. You could go seventy four hundred for Cam going on the road against the Saints. Of course, the Saints have been leaking points all season long. Go on the other side of that matchup and go Drew Brees at sixty nine hundred. I actually thought he'd be a little bit cheaper given that that matchup's against Carolina. So maybe I would stay away from Breeze this week. But are you paying up for one of Brady or Newton? Or are you going to look a little cheaper this week? Yeah, when I was, I, I'm probably paying up. When I when I was making a quick lineup, I put in Brady because I just saw the Eagles cornerbacks there. But I am, I am, I guess, kind of leaning more toward Cam now. He's six, 600 less. Uh, it, it's The matchup almost seems too good to be true, which perhaps it is. Obviously, like the Saints are kind of hit or miss right now, and it's it's easy to imagine a game if the if the Panthers get up twenty points, they just you know sit on the ball and run out the clock. Uh, but yeah, I, I think I'm kind of tempted by Cam there because I th- I think he might be able to give you like twenty five points and just kind of like one half anyway. Yeah, he could definitely do that. Kind of like the DeAndre Hopkins matchup though last week, where it looks too good to be true. Maybe it is. I mean, it's just. How do you pass that up? 7400 seems like a reasonable price. And again, you could pair him up with Greg Olson in a week where there's no Gronk. Olson 6400 You got a pretty good stack right there and one that should be able to do plenty of damage. You look a little further down, you get three quarterbacks at 6700 although one is Andrew Luck, so you probably don't want to use him. Palmer and Matt Ryan at 6700 Palmer on the road against St. Louis. Ryan on the road against Tampa Bay. I'm actually more interested in Matt Ryan this week because he's been playing at a level that's below what we expected. But come on, like a, a loss right now against the Minnesota defense, like having a bad day against Minnesota's defense isn't necessarily a sign that your offense is crap. Like Minnesota's defense is actually pretty good. Yeah, I, I, I am concerned about Ryan, though. Uh, not not as much in fantasy because, he's, you know, he gets he gets those numbers. Eventually, it's just kind of ugly. And, and when you're watching it in in real time, but uh, it's just weird how that offense attempts like 39 passes a game and it's third best target is or sorry it's it's second best target at this point is Jacob Tammy or Devonte Freeman like that's that's that can be the case if you attempt like 28 passes per game but if you're throwing the ball 39 times 
Uh, the fact that Tammy and Freeman are the second and third receivers dictates that there's a huge inefficiency problem with kind of the foundation of the offense, I think. Um, so, yeah, if, if they scale back the volume of the passing, I can see that being something sustainable, but it just, it just seems like a it's either it's either they throw it to Julio or it's a check down like that's the passing game there. Moving a little further down here, we got Philip Rivers, 6,600, going up against Son of Bum's defense. It's at home, but San Diego's home field advantage is basically zero. I think the the appeal here, again, would be much like it would be with Breeze, where very few people are going to be interested in going up against Denver's defense. And I think with San Diego, you know they're going to throw a lot of passes because they can't run it. So Rivers is probably going to throw 35 passes easily. And if the Broncos' offense is clicking if they run it well against that weak San Diego run defense if Brock Osweiler doesn't turn the ball over you could see Rivers pushing into the mid 40s in attempts and even if he's getting six and a half or seven yards in attempt that's actually a pretty good yardage day it's just a matter of whether or not he can get more than a TD in this one yeah and uh, I mean the Broncos have been for a while now but like they don't have DeMarcus Ware so it's not quite as frightening of a of a group as it looked you know at the beginning of the season uh, I won't be picking Rivers, but you're right. They have to throw it. So there's a decent chance that he'll just have a good game straight up. But like, even if he doesn't, the volume provides a lot of cover there. Expecting a lot of ownership on Ben Roethlisberger, though. 6,600 against the Colts. It's a home game for Pittsburgh. Uh, it just seems like a really solid play. Any reasons to stay away from him? Uh, no, it's it's definitely it's definitely an in-play scenario. Um yeah i mean it's it you might be tempted i guess by like andy dalton going against cleveland or Derek carr going against the justin houstonless uh chiefs but uh roethlisberger is obviously really good and and that offense is is quite consistently elite as long as he's on the field no revis for the jets so eli manning i think his day it could be a lot better as a result i mean odell beckham matches up against cromartie instead of revis that that should be yeah the, a pretty big cromartie's upgrade. had a bad year the secondary in general there has been very vulnerable so consider eli as an option in that price range as well you move a little further down you mentioned Derek carr against kansas city he's been too up and down for me 6200 isn't enough of a discount to go after him blake bortles at 6000 on the road against the titans maybe it'd be a little more interesting but even that i think has a few warts how about russell wilson priced down at 5600 it's against that minnesota defense but i don't know it's like if they're going to be useful at all offensively he's going to be a big part of the reason why yeah, that is very interesting, actually. Uh, yeah, I don't, I don't know what to make of that. He's been playing so good the last two weeks that it's. Uh, I think I might have to get a couple lineups with him because that's that's just one of those things where the price is so low. Uh, it's like you can you can almost afford a bad game, and it's like how how often does he really have those? Um, yeah, I, I, I like that one. Mariota home against the Jags, fifty five hundred. Hasselbeck on the road against the Steelers, fifty three hundred. The volume could be there in the passing game. Ryan Tannehill, fifty three hundred against that Ravens defense that even Austin Davis was picking apart when he got in the game for the Browns on Monday night. I kept to wonder if, if Tannehill is a good GPP option. I yeah, it's possible. I, I guess with Bill Lazor getting fired, you might expect them to run the ball a little bit more. But that's when there's 58 pass attempts in the last game. It's like he can obviously afford a little bit of a, a shift to the run emphasis. But uh, yeah, I, I'm just terrified of Tannehill. It's it's a GPP, like you said. Uh, it, anything else, he's just so up and down. Alex Smith, 5100 going into Oakland might not be terrible, but he's just he's such a 
high floor, low ceiling type player. You're not going to get a bad game, but you really know most weeks you're not going to get a great one either. Tyrod at 5,200 against Houston at home in Buffalo. Maybe some intrigue there. I think a lot of people were afraid of Tyrod last week against the Chiefs, and he delivered. Yeah, I like Tyrod quite a bit, but the Houston defense is a little concerning. Um, yeah, it's, it's not such a great matchup, and when there's a couple other affordable options in this range, I, I think I will probably pass on that. And then Sam Bradford, 5,100 in a game. The Eagles will probably trail at one point by as many as 30 points, so you're probably getting a 50-attempt day from Sam Bradford, but it might be a 5-YPA kind of day. Yeah, I don't know what to expect with that team in general, let alone uh, an individual variable like Bradford. But uh, yeah, I'm not picking any of those guys. Moving over to the running back spot, Devonta Freeman is the most expensive back on the board, $8,000. I think that keeps me away, even though I don't think it's that bad of a matchup. Tampa's run defense has played well this year, but the volume that Freeman gets, both as a runner and as a pass catcher, is intriguing. Nevertheless, 8000 a little too rich for me. Todd Gurley coming off a disappointing game Sunday, 7300 I think the hype has died down a bit on him, but to me... The St. Louis Rams are one of those weird teams that will inexplicably show up for a game like this one at home against Arizona and play really well. Like they'll they'll maybe win this game 24-13 and Todd Gurley's going to have 140 yards and two TDs if that's going to happen. Yeah, I guess uh, I don't quite expect that, but um they they uh I don't know if they have Robert Quinn back yet. He's been missing time, which is obviously a big problem. Uh they've been without their best linebacker Alec Ogletree for like the last 2 months. So, uh, yeah, I think Arizona should be able to handle their business there. Timeshare, Matt Forte, perhaps, uh, going up against San Francisco. Home game for the Bears, though. They should be able to put plenty of points up on the board against that San Francisco defense. 6900 is the price on Forte. AP at 6600 gets a home matchup against Seattle. Not crazy about it, but it's also not cost prohibitive if you want to go down that road. Mark Ingram at 6400 actually is a guy I like just because I think you're going to get lighter ownership. As good as Carolina is, they don't seem like a team that often will blow teams out. Easier to say that, of course, now coming out of the uh, Dallas game, or harder to say that now coming out of the Dallas game, but th- that was those were defensive touchdowns. They have that ability. I just don't think there's quite as much implosion in the Saints offense at home as there is in the Dallas offense in any given week. Yeah, that that is true. I, I have been creeped out, though, just by how they've been using Ingram the past couple weeks. Like, did, was he hurt that, that game where they had, like, the, he had, like, a 70-yard run, and then he had three carries or something the rest of the game? Yeah, that, that easily uh, could have been an injury situation. Well, the Washington yeah, was against game, Washington. too. Yeah, the 70-yard they, 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 they run. fell so far behind in that game. It was, that game just got completely out of hand. Yeah, he only had nine carries against Houston, and they had the lead, but it was only, like, a 17-point lead for most of the game. Uh, yeah, I don't know. I mean, I, I, I do like Ingram, and... And I, I feel like he should do well if he gets the ball. I just I don't know if the, the Saints have really a coherent idea of how they're actually running these things there. That's a fair point there. Chris Ivory, 5,900 going up against the Giants. Not really overwhelmed by that. Not avoiding him necessarily totally either. Totally good value, though. Yeah, it mm. seems fine. Same price. You can get Doug Martin home against Atlanta, which looks really intriguing looks on paper. too good to be true and i can't tell how chalky of a pick this is but like martin's been really good i have done a bad job of guessing his big games but i think i'm probably gonna go in on that one 
DeMarco Murray, 5,800 again in a game the Eagles might lose by 30. So you, you worry about the volume. I don't think he's a bad player. I think he's on a bad team that is susceptible to horrendous blowouts. So unless you're really trying to just go against the grain, I think you could stay yeah, away I from DeMarco. Like uh, Lamar Miller, 5,800 against Baltimore. I kind of like that. I just wonder, offensive coordinator change, if that causes any problems. Maybe it helps him. Maybe Jay Ajayi gets more involved. The Dolphins just have too many weapons right now. Yeah, and I I think Lamar Miller is awesome. In addition to being very fast, he's been one of the best after-contact runners this year, too. So it just doesn't make sense that they haven't used him more. But uh, I don't quite have the guts to go at it this week. Um, obviously, the matchup isn't very good. Uh, but in addition, it's like you have the comparable price for Martin, for Ivory, even D'Angelo Williams at 5600 it's just yeah more more so much workload certainty with those guys uh and it's it's you know affordable to get them to looking here at uh, sharkandrick west i I didn't talk about him in the injury segment but he's probable and the chiefs have suggested they're going to have some kind of timeshare which andy reed hasn't had i think since i don't know brian westbrook and Lashawn mccoy during like mccoy's rookie year perhaps like it's been a while since an andy reed coach team has leaned heavily on two backs i have no idea how they're going to split those touches up so i'm probably just staying away from both west and where yep. but uh, above that in price kind of between lamar miller and ahead of Sharkandrick west you get a lot of names that are interesting i'm going to fire through these quickly mccoy home against houston probably going to be running a lot in a close game because houston's defense their pass rush in particular looks really strong 5700 on mccoy 5,600 on D'Angelo Williams, home against the Colts. Why isn't he 7,000 at least? That seems like a huge bargain. Uh, Buck Allen, 5,400. Thomas Rawls, 5,400. Uh, Allen gets the Dolphins on the road. Rawls gets Minnesota on the road. Minnesota's defense, their run defense, looks really good when you glance at it in terms of fantasy points allowed. It's actually not as good as you'd think because they give a lot of yardage. They just don't give up that many TDs, which could be very fluky. So just something to keep in mind there if you're thinking about Rawls. I don't trust McFadden at 5,300 because I never trust Darren McFadden. I warned you guys. I warned you guys a few weeks ago. I think you laughed in my face. I think you even had a decent game the week I warned you. So you were right to yeah, laugh Yeah, he, he had 20 points that game. Fantastic. I'm glad I missed out on that. Jonathan Stewart, 5,300. I, I, I could easily pick two backs in this group. I could go with the Williams-Stewart duo. I could go Rawls-Williams, maybe Rawls-Stewart. I might be mixing and matching running backs from this group as my two primary options yeah there's there's a lot of tough choices in there i think i'm i think i'm leaning toward my favorites as uh you know doug martin d'angelo williams and uh i I really if i could get an assurance that javorius allen would actually approach like 20 carries or something i would like him to uh but yeah i was a little i was a little bummed out that they what did he stop at 14 carries they give terrence west a bunch too Yeah, terrence west sucks i don't know what they're thinking i I think javorius allen is good so i i I hope he does well but i think i'm gonna probably stay off this one uh but yeah stewart at 5300 I mean, that's that's kind of a crazy price with how many carries he's getting. Back in, like, week four, this was the Danny Woodhead podcast. He's um, 4,800. I think he's been long since forgotten. Yeah. Any interest at all there? No, not really. I which which he, he has fifteen yards rushing in his last two games. Oh man, that's awful. Uh, he's he's basically just a Theo Riddick type, and not even that. Yeah, Riddick right now seems like the better version of Danny Woodhead. Latavius Murray is only forty eight hundred. It's a home matchup against the Chiefs. That's probably going to draw some people away, but the price seems right if you want to take that chance. 
yeah he's just not doing anything uh i don't understand it like i I know a lot of people were really high on him for a while now because of his you know perceived athletic uh, ability uh his numbers were always a little inflated because they were taken from a pro day rather than the combine but still i'm surprised that he's not doing a little bit more than what he has yeah, I, I was expecting a bit more from Murray as well. Ronnie Yeoman, 4,500, going up against San Diego. I know it's C.J. Anderson's job kind of to lose, it seems like, right now. But at the same time, I think both of these guys can coexist together. They sort of have different skill sets. Hillman catches passes. Uh, it seems like if you want to invest in the Denver backfield and you don't want the chalky option, which I feel like Anderson will be more chalky, especially at 3,500, Hillman would be a way to do that and get some separation. But when, when Anderson's 3,500, I feel like that's a combination of expected outcome, skills, and cost that you really don't want to fade. Yeah, I, I mean, between him and David Johnson at 3,400, those are the toughest fade questions to answer, I guess. I, I, I really don't know. I, I feel like I gotta go, I, I'm probably going to go with both of those guys, <laughs> chalky as it is. Um, because it's just yeah so cheap and going against the Chargers defense uh, it's not like with Brock Osweiler they're going to throw it like 40 times or something so uh, I do like CJ Anderson and I, th- I think he's better than Hillman I think the turf toe is pretty obviously why he was so bad to start the year I think in what could be the greatest fantasy football-y moment ever would be Melvin Gordon somehow getting a few TDs a few like like three three TDs against Denver in a game in which you wouldn't expect them to be in position to even score three TDs, but somehow Melvin Gordon gets three in one game. Like some goofy Melvin Gordon thing is going to happen. I don't know when. I'm just warning you, something goofy with Melvin Gordon is going to happen. For sure. Uh, I I won't be betting on when it happens, though. I'm just, I, I, I have no faith in that running game. I was trying to time the market on that, and I haven't been able to do it yet either, so I'll probably miss out on that party any other cheap running backs that, that stand out to you this week you mentioned david johnson though i mean 3400 yeah. there's gonna be a lot of people going after him and it's anderson a, at 3500 those two might be the most heavily owned backs this week at that cheap of a price i'm just having trouble convincing myself to not do it but uh yeah i don't know we'll we'll, we'll see i'm probably gonna go with johnson and cj anderson at least in my cash game lineup so how about sean drone i mean four thousand even he's getting a lot of touches right now catching passes in that backfield his workload the last few games has been pretty interesting. Four catches in week nine, eight catches in week 11, five catches in week 12. He's had 16, 12, and 15 carries. Not a ton of yardage, but especially with the full point PPR you get on DraftKings, at 4,000, he's at least worth thinking about. Yeah, he's worth thinking about. I just, I just think that... Uh david johnson and cj anderson are so much more talented that it's i, I just drone is not a very good player like he's just getting a lot of catches which has its use but uh it's not as if the chicago defense is just gonna you know lay down for them either so i definitely prefer david johnson and cj anderson yeah the fighting fangios have taken some steps in the right direction over the course of this season moving on to the wide receiver position julio jones nine thousand at the very top think that's a, a reasonable way to, to build a lineup you can get odell beckham at 8900 again against cromarty not against revis uh, deandre hopkins only 8800 against the bills antonio brown with a healthy ben roethlisberger at 8600 against the colts probably going to see some vontae davis but to me brown has those skills that really don't 
necessarily get shut down by a lockdown corner like that. He tends to be productive more often than not, regardless who's covering him. But then there's A.J. Green at 7,600. With Tyler Eifert out, you get the added added benefit, bonus fit, bona fit? Yes. I was going to say bona fit. You get the added bona fit of more red zone targets. Yeah, uh, did you say it was Eifert who had the lead in the league for receiving touchdowns with 12? He's got 12. Yeah, so, I mean, Eifert's a great red zone target. With him out, A.J. Green is now the, uh, by default, clear best option for them in that regard, and you would expect them to see some red zone snaps in uh, going against Cleveland. Yeah, they should be able to handle that Cleveland defense uh, very capably, especially with the running game. I would expect Hill and Bernard to both be pretty effective matching up against the Browns. I like Demarius Thomas a fair amount this week, 7,200 going up against the Chargers because I think Osweiler's at least decent. Thomas had the big target game on Sunday night, didn't do a whole lot with those opportunities, but conditions were poor. Patriots may have game plan to try to minimize his effectiveness. There could be a few variables in play there that, that really kept him from producing. Allen Robinson and Mike Evans, both 7,300. I think they're intriguing. Probably stand away from Larry Fitzgerald at 7,400 if for no other reason and then I just I think they're going to spread the ball around enough where 7400 feels like the right price and I can't figure out what matchups he's better suited to go off in yeah for me it's just I I won't ever bet against Fitz but there's just other options that I prefer like for instance, I definitely like Allen Robinson more at 7,300 going against Tennessee with Allen Hearns out. Um, and I, I almost, I feel like I must be missing something. Uh, Alshon Jeffrey is 6,900. Uh, this is Alshon Jeffrey going against the 49ers. So I, I, I got to go with that. Um, but yeah, it's, it's uh, totally fine to pick fits. I'm just probably not going to do it. Yeah, I'm with you though on, on Jeffrey. I mean, given that that matchup, uh, Brandon Marshall is seventy one hundred. I think that's a viable play yep. against the Giants, as often Brandon Marshall is in full point PPR settings. Jarvis Landry against the Ravens is interesting at sixty seven hundred. Amari Cooper gets the Chiefs at sixty nine hundred. Crabtree's at sixty five hundred. There's plenty of quality receivers again, which makes me more inclined to look at this kind of second tier load up on these guys instead of paying for Beckham and Julio and Hopkins go down to the AJ green range and below and then go down as low as like 6,500 and then just pay up a bit more for my players at other positions. Yeah. I'll be going with Julio myself, uh, largely because, uh, I mean, down at 4,800 is LaFell going against the Eagles with Gronk and Edelman out. I like that one quite a bit. Uh, but yeah, it's, it's, I feel like Julio is a good thing to build with going against Tampa Bay. It's just, it's, it's worth the price just because he's, they're so dependent on him. Martavis Bryant at 5,600 is really intriguing for me. Uh, Sammy Watkins at the same price. I just don't know what to make of Sammy Watkins. I, I'm never right with him. Season long DFS. It doesn't matter the format. I am never right on Sammy Watkins. I think Sammy Watkins is a really great prospect, but I don't know what to expect from the team, like especially as far as their their scheming, their play calling. So I haven't picked Sammy Watkins all year, and I probably won't, even though I think he's awesome. I'll echo your um, recommendation of Brandon LaFell at 4,800 against the Eagles. I think that's a good way to go. Kind of surprised that when you look at the price, each and every week, it seems like on Jeremy Macklin, it's less than you'd expect. 5,200 for Jeremy Macklin going up against the Raiders. They, it's never, it never feels like a bad investment. Yeah, you, you would kind of perceive him as a low ceiling type, but when he's had his good games, he's had, you know, really big ones. It's just he's 
kind of liable to not do a whole lot in an offense that sometimes does not do a whole lot. Some other names to throw at you. Kamar Aiken, 4,800 against the Dolphins. Dante Moncrief, 4,600 against Pittsburgh. Maybe some interest there. Uh, not going after Kendall Wright. He's only 4,300. Tavon Austin's only 4,300. So if you want to be a little different in GPPs, you know he can do a lot with very few touches. Still not really my approach most weeks. Anquan Bolden's only 4,100 going up against the Bears. I feel like he'll be low-owned, but also could be seven catches for 80 yards and a TD. Yeah, uh, I just, I, I guess I'm probably going to stay away from most of this range just because there's some really, there's ones that I like a lot between like, I'm just going to go with Julio LaFell and Jeffrey, I think. Um, but yeah, if down in that range, I guess you, I mean, maybe Kendall Wright at 4,300. I don't think I'm going after Taven Austin just because I hate the way that's just the way he is used and they have to use him that way. He's not like a traditional receiver, but when you're banking on like a 40 yard touchdown run in his theoretical value, it just, just seems like chasing something that's not very tangible. How about Devonte Parker at 3,300? That is that is very interesting, and I I think a totally good pick. I I probably wouldn't have him outside of a GPP just because I feel like there are a lot of established options that are worth pursuing at the position. But yeah, thirty three hundred is obviously very nice. Um, that, that's that's something that can can let you spend pretty heavily elsewhere. Let's move on to the tight end portion of today's pod, and usually it's Gronk versus the field. No Gronk option because of the injury. Still a lot of good options. No Tyler Eifert though either. Most likely no Tyler Eifert because of the doubtful tag so it's Olsen at 6400 Delaney Walker against the Jags at 5700 Gary Barnage at 5300 against the Bengals Jordan Reed 5300 against the Cowboys uh, any of those names stand out, or are you going down to like Travis Kelsey at forty seven hundred against the Raiders? I'm actually going to go lower. Julius Thomas is four thousand. Jacob wow. Tammy is thirty seven hundred, and he's like the number two receiver in that. He had a, by the way, a huge game against Tampa the last time they played against them. Yeah, Ryan uh, played well in that game overall. Yeah, ten catches for one hundred and three yards and a touchdown in that game. Uh, so yeah, Jacob Tammy's a really good pick, I think. And it's this is very very chalky, I realize, but Scott Chandler is twenty five hundred. Like that is so ridiculously cheap. I think it makes sense to consider going two tight ends with one in the flex because uh, it's not it's not a hard cap this week, so it's not like you need to. Um, but yeah, if you do have some kind of unconventional, you know, lopsided spending uh, theory you want to work with, you can you can get a lot of value through the tight ends. It's an amazing price on Scott Chandler. Yeah, um, I know. It's like I mean, <laughs> it's it's like the lowest one possible. I think. Yeah, lowest price you'll ever get a position player at any other names that stood out to you though amongst tight ends i mean you got a bunch of quality options just thrown out there zach Ertz at 2600 in what could be a high volume game for the eagles but why why even go to that level when for the same price or 100 bucks less you can get chandler and for a little bit more you can get someone like i don't know let's just say like well Charles Clay is more, almost $1,000 more expensive. You can get guys that you know are going to get targets. And with Ertz, you just don't know if he's going to get those looks in the red zone. Selick is still good, and they're using Selick. Like, I've chased Ertz a little bit th- this year because I feel like he has been due for a big game, but it just hasn't happened. And I feel like these other guys are just such solid options. There's not much need to get cute with it. Looking at the defense and special teams now, you've got the Cardinals at 3,900 going up against the Rams. You've got the Seahawks going on the road against the Vikings at 3,600. Panthers 3,500 against the Saints. I got uh, no clue this week at defense. I think I'm going to probably try to go with the Seahawks just because I, I, Teddy Bridgewater has not impressed me when I've seen him. 
Uh, but otherwise, I mean, I think you got to like the Patriots going against the Eagles at home. I like that one, and I like the Bengals going on the road to Cleveland against Austin Davis. Yeah, I, I don't have a strong uh, feel of what Austin Davis really is, so I'm not super psyched about that one. But I, I do like, I, I think the Eagles just look like a wreck right now, and I think going to Foxborough is, is something that should suit the, the Patriots quite well. It's going gonna, it's gonna to be a good day for Matt Patricia and, and company, right? Like, that's the... I mean, I, I just don't, I cannot imagine the Eagles offensive line handling any particular defense and, and the Patriots, especially if Jamie Collins is back like they expect, like he's one of the best pass rushing linebackers in the league, one of the best linebackers in general. So uh, it, it doesn't look like a good matchup for the Eagles and being at home, the Patriots are always a little, a little better. Well, that's going to wrap things up for us this week. Thank you for listening to the RotoWire Fantasy Football Podcast brought to you by DraftKings.com, the leader in daily fantasy sports. Use the promo code RotoWire when you make your deposit for a free contest entry today. Also, check out RotoWire for free for the next 10 days by going to RotoWire.com slash pod. Good luck in week 13. We'll be back with you on Monday. Everyone is talking about magnesium. It's all you hear about. But why? What do we know about magnesium? Well, magnesium is the number one mineral that 75% of Americans are deficient in. If you are a woman over 35, magnesium will help you rediscover balance, energy, and vitality. Magnesium supports more than 300 enzymatic reactions in your body, including those involved in hormonal balance. From functional medicine doctors to mental well-being and female hormone experts, we all know that magnesium is the one mineral to improve all aspects of well-being and health. But which one? Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers. The trusted choice recommended by leading experts with seven best-absorbed forms of magnesium to ensure your body receives the support it needs for overall well-being. Go to bioptimizers.com balance today and use code BALANCE10 for 10% off. Support your journey to wellness at B-I-O-P-T-I-M-I-Z-E-R-S dot com forward slash balance. Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers, your foundation to optimal health and vitality.